all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, my far, far away family? How the heck is everyone in the universe doing today? A lot has happened in the last week, and we're going to talk all about it after we get through Chapter 31. Because when we left Bane last week... Well, we kind of didn't leave Bane last week because he wasn't mentioned in the whole chapter. But I have a feeling that that's going to change in this chapter. So let's see what's happening now. The scene that greeted General Hoth as his army came upon the battlefield was as unexpected as it was welcome. He had braced himself for a vision of grim and bloody slaughter, fierce combat with neither side giving nor asking quarter. He'd imagined the corpses of the dead would be strewn about, trampled beneath the feet of those still fighting desperately to hang on to their lives. He had come expecting to see a war. Instead, he was witness to something so unbelievable, his initial reaction was one of suspicion. Was it a trick? A trap? His fears were quickly allayed when he recognized the familiar and smiling faces of other Jedi all around him. As he surveyed the aftermath of the last Battle of Rusan, his own face broke into a smile. There were only a handful of dead, and from their dress it was clear that few of them had served in the Army of Light. Most of the enemy had been taken prisoner. They were sitting calmly on the ground in large groups, surrounded by armed Jedi. Yet even though the Jedi were keeping close watch on their captured foes, they were laughing and joking with one another. He reached out with a force and he felt wave after wave of relief and joy washing out from Farfalla's troops. The soldiers under his command were quick to feel it too. Seeing the obvious victory, they broke ranks and ran cheering and laughing down to join their fellows in celebration. Hoth resisted the urge to shout out a command to regroup and simply let them go. The endless war was over. But as he walked through the milling throngs, accepting the salutes and congratulations of his followers, he realized something was wrong. The battlefield was full of placid, unarmed Sith, but he saw not a single Dark Lord among their numbers. The sight of Master Farfalla running at full speed toward him from the far side of the field did little to soothe his unease. General! Farfalla said, sliding to a stop and gasping for breath. He snapped off a quick salute. The lack of his typical over-the-top bow further fueled Hoth's mounting concern. I must have taken longer to assemble my forces than I thought, the general joked, hoping his disquiet was simply misplaced paranoia. It seems you've already won the war. Farfalla shook his head. The war isn't over. Not yet. Khan and the Brotherhood, the true Sith, have taken refuge in the caves. They're going to unleash some kind of Sith weapon, something called... A thought bomb. A thought bomb. Thoth had heard mention of such a weapon long ago, studying at the feet of his master back at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. According to legendary accounts, the ancient Sith had the ability to forge the dark side into a concentrated sphere of power, and then unleash its energy in a single devastating blast. All those sensitive to the Force, Sith and Jedi alike, would be consumed by the explosion their spirits trapped in the great vacuum created at the epicenter of the detonation. Is Khan mad? He said aloud, though the very question was answer enough. We have to evacuate, General, Farfalla insisted. Get everyone away as fast as possible. 
No, Hoth answered. That won't work. If we retreat, Khan and the Brotherhood will escape. It won't take them long to rally support and begin this war all over again. But what about the Thought Bomb? Valentine demanded. If Khan has such a weapon, the general explained grimly, then he will use it. If not here, then somewhere else. Maybe in the core worlds. Maybe on Coruscant itself. I can't allow that. Khan wants to witness my death. I have to go into the cave to face him. I have to force him to detonate the bomb here on Rusan. It's the only way to truly end this. Farfalla dropped to one knee. Then I will go by your side, General. As will all who follow me. Reaching out with his strong, weathered hands, General Hoth took Farfalla by the shoulders and hauled him to his feet. No, my friend, he said with a sigh. You cannot walk this journey with me. When the other started to protest, he held up a hand for silence and continued. When Khan unleashes his weapon, all within that cave will die. The Sith will be wiped out, but I won't let that happen to our entire order. The galaxy will have need of Jedi to rebuild once this war is over. You and the other masters must live so that you may guide them and defend the Republic, as we've done since its foundation. There was no real argument against the wisdom of his words, and after a moment's deliberation, Master Farfalla dropped his head in mute acceptance. When he looked up again, there were tears in his eyes. Surely you're not going in alone, he protested. I wish I could, Hoth replied. But if I do, the Dark Lords will simply take me down with their lightsabers. That would solve nothing. Khan has to see that his only chance is to surrender. Or... He left the thought unspoken. You'll need enough Jedi to convince the Brotherhood that a physical battle would be hopeless. At least a hundred. Any less, and he won't detonate the thought bomb. Hoth nodded. Nobody will be ordered to go in with me. Ask for volunteers. And make sure they understand none of us will ever be coming out. Despite the danger, virtually every single member of the Army of Light volunteered for the mission. General Hoth realized that he shouldn't have been surprised. After all, these were Jedi, willing to sacrifice everything, even their lives, for the greater good. In the end, he did what he knew he would have to do all along. He himself chose who would accompany him to certain death. He selected exactly 99 others to go with him. The decision was agonizingly difficult. If he took less, the Sith might be able to fight their way out of the cave and escape, only to detonate their thought bombs somewhere else. But the more he took, the more Jedi lives he might be needlessly throwing away. Choosing who would go with him was even more difficult. Those Jedi who had served at his side the longest, the ones who had joined the Army of Light at the very beginning of the campaign, were those he knew best. He knew how much they'd already given in this war, and these were the ones he least wanted to lead to their doom. Yet these were the ones with the most right to stand by his side when the end finally came. And when all was said and done, that was how he made his selection. Those with the most seniority would go with him. The others would fall back with Lord Farfalla. The hundred Jedi, the ninety-nine chosen plus Hoth himself, stood anxiously at the entrance of the tunnels. 
The sky above was growing dark as night fell and ominous storm clouds rolled in. Still, the general did not give the command to advance. He wanted to give Farfalla and the others enough time to get clear. If it had been possible, he would have ordered all those not going into the cave to leave Rusan. But there wasn't time. They would simply have to get as far away as possible, then hope they were beyond the range of Khan's thought bomb. As the first drops of rain began to fall, he realized he could wait no longer, and he gave the command to advance. They marched in an orderly fashion into the tunnel, down into the caverns far beneath the planet's surface. The first thing Hoth noticed as they descended was how cold the tunnel quickly became, as if all the heat had been sucked away. The next thing he felt was the tension in the air. It actually pulsed with vast, unimaginable power just barely held in check. The power of the dark side. He didn't allow himself to think about what would happen when that power was released. They advanced slowly, wary of traps or an ambush. They found none. In fact, they saw no sign of a Sith at all until they reached the large central cavern at the heart of the tunnel system. General Hawk led the way, a glow rod in one hand and his drawn lightsaber in the other. As he stepped into the cavern, his glow rod suddenly flickered and went very dim. Even the illumination from his lightsaber seemed to die, becoming the thinnest sliver of incandescence. As his eyes grew accustomed to the heavy shadows, he was able to pick out the shapes of the Sith Lords, standing in a circle on the far side of the cave. They faced inward, their hands raised to its center. They stood without moving, their mouths hanging open, their features slack, their eyes blank. Cautiously, he approached the still forms, wondering if they were alive, dead, or trapped in some nightmare state in between. Drawing closer, he could make out a single figure standing in the center of the circle. Lord Khan. He hadn't seen him at first. The middle of the ring was darker than the rest of the cave. There seemed to be a black cloud hovering above him, tendrils of inky darkness extending down to wrap and twist around him in a sinister embrace. One look at the leader of the Brotherhood and any hope the general had of convincing Lord Khan to listen to reason died. The Sith Lord's face was pale and taut. His features were stretched as if his skin had become too tight for his skull. A thin layer of ice coated his hair and lashes. His expression was one of cruel arrogance, and his left eye trembled and twitched uncontrollably. He stared straight ahead with a frozen intensity, unblinking and unmoving as Hoth and his Jedi slowly filled the cavern. Only after all the Jedi were inside did he speak. Welcome, Lord Hoth. His voice was tight and strained. Are you trying to scare me, Khan? Hoth asked, stepping forward. I do not fear death, he continued. I do not mind dying. I would not mind all the Jedi dying if it meant the end of the Sith. Khan turned his head quickly from one side to the other, his eyes darting back and forth across the cave, as if he were counting the Jedi who stood before him. His lip curled into a sneer, and he raised his hands up. The general made his move, lunging forward to try to end Khan's life before he could unleash his ultimate weapon. He wasn't quick enough. The Dark Lord clapped his hands together sharply, and the thought bomb exploded. In an instant, every living soul in the cave was snuffed out of existence. 
clothing, flesh, and bone were vaporized. The stalactites, the stalagmites, even the massive stone columns were reduced to clouds of dust. The rumbling echo of the blast rolled down every tunnel, crevice, and fissure leading out of the cavern as the destructive wave of energy began to spread. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Githany was trapped in the labyrinth of subterranean passages. In fleeing Khan's ritual, she'd lost her bearings, and now she wandered aimlessly down kilometer after kilometer of natural tunnels as she searched in vain for an exit to the surface. In the dim light of her glow rod, she saw a small opening on her left and followed it for many meters before it came to a dead end. Shouting out a curse, she turned and made her way back again. She was furious. Furious at Khan for bringing the Brotherhood to the brink of destruction. Furious at herself for following him there. And furious at Bane. There was no doubt in her mind that he had somehow orchestrated all this. He had manipulated Khan and the rest of the Brotherhood, driving them toward their own destruction. Yet that betrayal wasn't what enraged her. Bane had abandoned her. He'd cast her aside with the others, leaving her to die, while he went off to rebuild the Sith. Ahead of her, the tunnel branched in two directions. She paused, drawing on the force to heighten her senses in the hope she might find some hint as to which path to take. At first, there was nothing. Then, she caught the faintest whisper of a breeze coming from the tunnel on the left. The air smelled fresh and clean. It led to the surface. As she raced up the passage, her frustration and rage fell away. She was going to survive. The uneven ground began to slope sharply upward, and she could see a hint of natural light far in the distance. She redoubled her efforts, and her thoughts turned to how she would exact her revenge. She would have to be subtle and cunning. She'd underestimated Bane too many times in the past. This time, she would be patient. Not striking until she was certain the moment was right. The first step was to find him and offer to be his apprentice. There was no doubt in her mind he would accept. He needed someone to serve him. It was the way of the dark side. She would learn at his feet, subjugating herself to his will. It might take years, maybe decades, but in time, he would teach her everything he knew. Only then, after all his secrets were hers, would she turn on him. She would become the master and take an apprentice of her own. Escape was less than 50 meters away when Githany felt the first effects of the thought bomb. It began with a trembling in the ground. Her initial instinct was fear of a ground quake or a cave-in that would bury her beneath tons of dirt and stones within sight of the surface. But when she felt the power of the dark side rushing up the passage toward her, she realized she was about to suffer a far more horrible fate. Those at the epicenter of the blast had been vaporized. Caught on the fringes of the thought bomb's radius, Githany was not so lucky. 
The wave of pure dark side energy swept over her an instant later. It tore through her like some terrible wind, sucking the essence of life from her body and ripping her spirit from its corporeal shell. Her flesh withered and shrank, her beautiful features mummified before she even had time to scream. And then, as quickly as it had come, the wave had passed. For one frozen moment, her lifeless husk stood in perfect balance before it toppled and struck the ground, disintegrating into ash. On the surface many kilometers away, Farfalla and the other Jedi felt the ground shake, and they knew their general was no more. A moment later, their minds erupted with the tortured screams of the Jedi and Sith caught up in the blast, the life force ripped away and sucked into the vacuum at the heart of the blast. Many of the Jedi wept in anguish, understanding how great the sacrifice of their fallen comrades had been. The spirits of the dead were bound for all eternity, forever frozen in stasis. Master Valentine Farfalla, now the leader of what remained of the Army of Light, felt the sorrow as deeply as any of them. But this was not the time for grief. With General Hoth's passing, the burden of command was his to bear. And there were things that still needed to be done. Captain Hadaran, assemble a team, he ordered. We're going to search the area in and around the tunnels for survivors. He knew no living creature could have withstood the power of the Thought Bomb, but it was possible a few of the Sith might have fled before the detonation. After all that had been sacrificed, he had no intention of letting any of the Brotherhood escape. The captain gave him a quick salute and turned to go. Just before he left, Farfalla added, And have your troops keep an eye out for the bouncers. The last Sith ritual drove them to madness. Who knows what this one did to them? And if we spot them, sir, shoot to kill. Many kilometers in the opposite direction, Darth Bane also felt the reverberations of the blast. He sensed the wave of dark side energy pass over him, strong enough to leave him shivering even at this distance. Once it was gone, he reached out with the force to seek out any who might have escaped. As he expected, he felt nothing. They were all gone. Khan, Kopej, Githany, all of them. The Brotherhood of Darkness had been purged. As far as the Jedi knew, the Sith were now extinct. Bane intended to keep it that way. He was the only Dark Lord of the Sith, the last of his kind. The burden of rebuilding the Order would fall to him, but this time he would do it right. Instead of many, there would be only two. One master and one apprentice. One to embody the power and one to crave it. To survive, the Sith had to vanish, becoming creatures of myth, legend, and nightmares. Hidden from the eyes of the Jedi, they could seek out the lost secrets of the dark side until its full power was theirs to command. Only then... Once victory over their enemies was certain, would they tear aside the veil of shadows and reveal themselves? The path ahead would be long and difficult. It might take years or decades before they could strike at the light once more. Perhaps even centuries. But Bane was patient. He understood what was to come and what must be done. 
Though he himself might not live to see the triumph of the dark side, those who followed him would carry on his legacy. Someday in the distant future, the Republic would fall, and the Jedi would perish, and the entire galaxy would bow down to a dark lord of the Sith. It was inevitable. It was the way of the dark side. Satisfied that his work on Rusan was done, he began the long hike to where he'd hidden his ship. He knew the remaining Jedi would come looking for survivors, but by the time they arrived, he would be long gone. Still one thing troubled him. In order for all this to come to pass, he had to find a suitable apprentice. One strong in the Force, but not yet tainted by the teachings of the Jedi. Somewhere he needed to find a child worthy of becoming heir to all the power of the dark side. Now, this was a good chapter. It had a little bit of everything. Mass destruction, sacrifice, and a great ending. Okay, okay, let's talk about what happened. This chapter starts off with Lord Hoth arriving to the cave. He is shocked to see that they have already won the war, but he quickly notices that there's no Dark Lord's present. This causes him to get a bad feeling. Then he sees Farfalla running towards him. This makes him even more uneasy. Farfalla gets there and tells him of the Thought Bomb. Hoth had heard of weapons like this before. It will destroy everyone that can use the Force. Hoth knows he must go into the cave to get Khan to use the bomb. Can't have him set it off anywhere else. And Hoth knows that Khan won't use it if he is the only one that goes in. So Hoth has to select 99 of his fellow Jedis to enter in with him. After a grueling process, they are selected. He tells them that they're all going to die, but they're okay with dying. What the heck is wrong with these people? If it were me, I would just blow up the cave. Problem solved. All the Sith are gone. If you just keep hitting it with cannons and bombs, there's no way that anyone would ever survive. Not even the most powerful Sith could survive that. But at this point, all the other Jedis must get far away before Khan sets off the Thought Bomb. Then Hoth and other 99 Jedi enter the cave. When they get into the center of the cave, this is when they see the Sith Lords. They're all standing in a circle with Khan in the middle. Hoth and Khan exchange some words. Then Khan claps his hands to set off the Thought Bomb, consuming them all with the orb that was created. Then it jumps over to Giffney before the bomb detonates. She is lost in the caves and mad at everyone. She knew that Bane had orchestrated everything, but she was really mad because he had abandoned her. This is what I'm talking about. How many times did Bane try to tell her, but she didn't want to listen? Now it is his fault that she is about to die? I told you there was something wrong with this girl. But she smells some fresh air coming from one of the passages. It is a way out of the caves. Giffney lets all of her anger slip away. Now she's plotting on her revenge on Bane. She will become his apprentice then kill him. This is what he wanted the whole time. She ain't too bright, is she? So she speeds up down the passage. She was almost outside the cave when she felt the first effects of the bomb. The ground rumbled and moved. She felt the dark side coming up from behind her, and then it ripped her soul from her body. Okay, then the chapter jumps to Farfalla and the other Jedi. They were far away at this point, but they still felt the ground shake and felt the fallen Jedi and the Sith deaths through the Force. Some of the Jedis cried tears of sorrow, but Farfalla was the new leader of the Army of Light, and he knew that there was work to be done. He sends a group of soldiers to look for survivors, just in case someone escaped before the bomb was set off. Now we get to hear what's going on with Bane. He is far away from the caves, but not so far that he didn't feel the effects of the bomb. The dark side passed over him, giving him the chills, but he was far enough away that he wasn't killed. Then he uses the force to search for survivors. At that point, he knew that they were all dead, and the Jedi knew the same thing. 
Bane was going to keep it that way. Now the Sith had vanished. They had become shadows, ghosts, and mists. And this would be the way the rule of two came to pass. It might take centuries. He might be dead by the time it happens. But one day the galaxy would bow to a Sith. And he would be the architect of it all. Now he could leave this planet and look for the one to become his apprentice. Like I said earlier, that was a good chapter. The way the author explains what happens in detail almost took my breath away. Okay, let's get to what's going on with Star Wars this week. One of the things we're going to talk about right now is the Bad Batch. So skip ahead if you haven't seen the first two episodes. We would hate to ruin anything for you. Okay, now that the people that haven't seen it yet are gone. Let's get to what I thought of the first two episodes. They were good, but I have two problems with them. First, it felt like I had seen it already. I mean, it didn't feel like anything was new. It didn't give me that wow factor, and it didn't go the way that I thought it would. I really thought that it was going to be something different. Yeah, it's great that they left the Empire, but I thought that they were going to hunt down the remaining Jedi. The most elite troopers they got, it just made sense for them to hunt down Jedi. And the second problem I had is the fact that the story plot mimics the Mandalorian. Let me explain before you lose your cool. A fierce warrior saves and then gets attached to a kid. Just like Din got attached to Grogu, in the same way Hunter is getting attached to Omega. Now each of the episodes are different, but overall the plot is the same. I'm sorry I had to say it, but it's the truth. Moving on to The Force Awakens from his neck. I don't even know what that was. I thought I was watching a trailer for it, but that was the actual film. It was three minutes long and Maggie dies at the end. That was it. That's all we got. To sum it up, I was very disappointed, but that's just my opinion. Now let's get to some news and rumors. And what do we have for this week? Disney has revealed a short glimpse of a real retractable lightsaber. And it looks and sounds like something from a galaxy far, far away. But here's everything we do know about it so far. Disney gave fans a short video teaser of a new lightsaber, which is closer to the real thing than ever before. But instead of the lightsaber of old, which required you turning it upside down to draw out a plastic blade, the new model is fully retractable, just like in the films. Retractable means it can be drawn in and out of the handle by some type of mechanism. The new lightsaber also features a glowing beam of light like in the films. Now the saber is still being developed so the exact details of how the magic works are still to be revealed. Disney said that the lightsaber would be part of Galactic Star Cruise, a new attraction at Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. It is set to open in the summer of 2022. It will go beyond anything that Disney has ever created before. Guests will be first to see characters like Rey wield the brand new more realistic lightsaber. But we have got some insights from a couple of our sources and what they are saying is the new lightsabers will not be available for purchase. Disney will not be selling these to the public. Hopefully our sources are wrong and maybe one day you'll be able to buy these. But just in case they are wrong, you might want to practice up on some new lightsaber moves. Now onto the quote for this week. And this quote comes to us from Langston Hughes. And he said, hold fast to your dream. For if dreams die, life is like a broken winged bird. They are no longer able to fly. Now we're not talking about dreams when you are asleep. He is talking about dreams of doing better. Some say that we do not live by our dreams, but should stay focused on the here and now. And I agree with that to a point. You should always be aware of the moment. But dreams give us the ability to imagine. What could be if we were working hard to achieve it? They are a lifeline to creativity. You cannot hope if there's nothing to hope for. Your dreams are just the possibilities that haven't come to pass. What was that movie that said if you build it, they will come? Field of Dreams. Yeah, Field of Dreams. Your dreams are the hopes of the future. They can all come true through hard work and dedication. And with that being said, we hope you have a great week. And we will see you next week when we cover Chapter 32. Hope to see you there. 
Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.